Hi, this is Patrick Ian Moore, Editor-in-Chief of Edibles Magazine, and we are here today at the Farm Aid Farms Farm in Hugo, Oklahoma, with Wade Walker. How are you today, Wade? Fine, Patrick. <laughs> and today, we're going to be talking about a lot of things, actually. There's a, a, a long, rich, and complicated story going on uh, with some very important elements of it. So, just to start off, can you give us a little bit of background on who you are, where we are, the family history as far as the industry goes? Okay, yeah. Yeah, we're a family farm. We were, we were out on the West Coast for about 20 years, and we were growing out there under Prop 215 in the business out there. My son, Skyler, was raised out there in Mendocino. And then I guess about whenever Colorado went recreational, Skyler went to Colorado on some uh, consulting gigs, and he wound up buying property there and setting up a farm in Colorado. So one made the whole circle that we, we had two licensed operations at the time, and then Oklahoma went to voting it in, and so we already had our place here. So we just come in and went to setting up here. So we were we were three state licenses at the time. Mm -hmm. And my family's been involved in it for our whole lives. And so, but like I said, we made we made a move out to Mendocino County and then Willow Creek, Humboldt County, you know, 20 years ago. And so we're back home now. We're back here in Oklahoma. And uh, we sold the farms in California and Colorado. And so we're just here focusing on, on, the, on the job here. And people might know if they are fans of Edibles Magazine or they follow our website or our company, we did, back until the very end of 2017, distribute Farm Aid Farms flour through the edibles list for people who knew about that. And then in the fall of 2018, we featured a pretty great uh, comprehensive article about the farm in Colorado, all yeah. about Skyler and what he was doing there. I stayed there for a couple of days. Right. It was really cool. And then the next time we saw you, some pretty some pretty heavy stuff had gone down with Skyler. Yeah, to take it so lightly, you know, it's, uh, well, in 2018, we had, we went through 2017, it took a couple of years to get the license down, mm -hmm. and they had a two-year residency requirement. And so we went through all the county things, and Skyler had worked a great relationship with the county, and to build up that property and have it all compliant, and build all the structures and all those things. And, we got into 2017 applying for the licenses and all, and we kind of got caught in a local moratorium that came up. And it kind of was knocking us out, actually, but we went back before the commissioners, and Skyler did a great job of explaining that we were already in the process. It was being approved by MED on the state level at that time, and then we would, you know, what the county had directed was to come back to the county after approval on the state level for the county. So it put us out of, uh, by the time that was, we went through and we finally got licensed and everything. We were in about mid-June, late June, too late for the season. So right. There was no planting at all on the property for 2017. So there was no plants there at all. We just kept building instruction and preparing for 2018. 2018 we rolled out. We rolled out and got a full count, about three acres of plants on. I think we had 15, 1,600 in those numbers, somewhere like that. And under the 1,800 plant count, Colorado heavy in, you know, in the first count. And so we had a great year. We grew a lot of crop. And by the time the season was ending, the, the fall hit, just like it did on the West Coast. Prices plummeted. 
and with the regulations, cost of compliance, and taxes and everything based on excise taxes in Colorado and everything, we were hitting at 22.5 cents right off the top. When prices went to going down to you know 400 bucks on whole flour, you know 50 bucks on uh, biomass and things like that, it just was you know it run it down. So we didn't move much product in 2018. At the end of the year, we moved a little bit, and then we just kind of let it set to we was going to come back a couple months 2019. And for people who don't necessarily know, 400 dollars is low. It's very That's low. It's lower than very low for a very low. And then when you take the 22.5% off the top mm -hmm. between county and state excise taxes, and then you still got to deal with Uncle Sam at the end of the year. Right. 280 issues and everything, which it really narrows you down. It's put you out of business basically at those prices, you know. And But we figured hopefully, like we've seen in California, the gloves come and go, harvest season, there's a lot of glove product. You can hold over till some more into the year. Then the next year, you know, prices may go up some. So we. We were just we were set and new, you know, in uh, in the 2018 into January, February, March, somewhere we could start probably start moving product. So we came back here, and I'd already had previously had a guy here setting us up for the season on the new licenses here and everything. So we came back here focusing on that. Skyler was in a relationship that you know had kind of soured on him, I guess, and as young men and go, he was pretty upset in his head. Uh -huh. over and things like that and so he went back to California was going to be at the place in California for a bit and well he made a big mistake he decided he would bring some old old product that he had there grown under prop 215 medical product just sitting sitting around decided he was going to bring it back this way and that was a big mistake and uh, so he did he loaded it and then he got caught in Amarillo, Texas. And by product, we're specifically talking about the marijuana, like pound, pounds, pounds, of flour. yeah, yeah, well, pounds of flour, basically pounds of flour, yeah. Probably some uh, pounds that he had, had left over, you know, and stuff. It was older product. And like I said, he's they, he, he got stopped. He got caught in Amarillo, you know. And well, Texas is illegal. We all know that. Yeah, they have no medical, they have, they no, have no medical, they, they have, have nothing, nothing like that. And so, which, you know, it was a, it was something that he shouldn't have done, but he did. But the way it all played out in the end, though, overall, they wound up getting a, a sentence that was just crazy for this day and time for this. He should have only had that to maximum. In the federal level, there's no parole, no probation. So it would have been a probational level in most situations in state. But mm -hmm. under federal, since there is no probation, that was definitely going to be time to be done. But you know, it was looking at in the 24 month ranges and things like that should have been. So, well, when they went to looking into Skyler, Skyler has been a very enterprising young man. Like I said, he was raised on the West Coast, and so as the legalization came, and what he had learned was legal now, and he's gotten very, very good at setting up companies and setting up facilities and getting compliant, dealing with the local officials and all those things over. And so they found out, of course, he had interest in in three three licenses. In three different three states. licensed legal states right. that he had interest in. Owned interest in those licenses and the, the, the operations. So basically what it wound up being was overall, you know, we'll, let, we'll get to Don Flannery at some point, who was Schuyler's appeal uh, attorney, and Adam Tisdale, his uh, first attorney, out of Amarillo. Oh yeah, we're going to call them. We're going to call them. Right. 
Right. I like to let them get to the actual legal sides of things and yeah. on this. But basically what it come down to was that sentencing and things, you know, Skyler, you know, made a plea with them. And, and at sentencing, they, they basically used his legal interest as relevant conduct, they call it. On the federal level, it's a point system when you go to sentencing, and it's by criminality or your past or things like that, it adds it up, you know, further. And where Skyler should have been at one point system, would have placed him at a maximum of 24, 27 months, something in that area. It, it, it actually, they pumped him up to 60 months, $150,000 fine. Skyler's never been in trouble before. It's a first-timer, uh, and it was all based on his legal actions. Just, just the action that was there would not have uh, shut them down. And so, uh, so it's pretty much now he's sitting on a 60 month sentence and you know, there's appeals going on on that. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much where that started with there. But when they came, when they found out about the operations in Colorado and stuff, there we had a large amount of, of product of marijuana in the barns and all that was on matrix tracking system and we were following all the rules of MED which is the, the marijuana enforcement division of Colorado and so they came out one morning as my wife and I was there my wife was the other half of the ownership of that company mm -hmm. as we were there up then had pulled tests and opened the metrics up the evening before and pulled tests and so we were going to look at get some tests and see if we could start start marking some of it to get it. Next morning we were ready, about 20 carloads of DEA, a couple of choppers in there, and then they just went through our cabin next door, went through the farm down there. Of course, they find nothing. There's no charges against us. There's no even the med, the regulators. We had no charges. We had no fault towards it. But they decided they'll take the inventory. So, I mean, you know, we've done struggle for three years, worked hard within that county. County commissioners and working people in that county knew that Skyler was a hard-working young man mm -hmm. to put this facility together. And that county was counting on the taxes like they all are. They all were looking for the money. And then, and then to turn around and strip that out of for something that he'd done that had nothing to do with it. I could understand coming out with for an inspection. You know, and seeing if the product was there. Was he taking this product from there? That's that's what their point was, you know, but it wasn't. It was all there. And but they'd still take it. And so that pretty much just you know, put that company out of business. And what would the value of what was taken, what was the let's say the retail value on that? The retail value on that would have been at the at the wholesale level selling it just all as, as whole flour to as processors. At the time, whole flour was bringing about 200 to 275 a pound. So it would have been approximately, it was approximately 3,300, close to 3,400 pounds there. So, you know, we're talking 275, close to a mil, you know, yeah, right. 800,000 and a million dollars of gross. Now, that gross is broke all up, you know. At those points, we weren't going to be seeing really any money, you know, at that point, you know. Because of all the profit situation, the 22 and a half percent of that would have went to the state and the county, and the whole deal. Uh, but my biggest part that really gets me over the whole thing, of course, and worried about my son and sitting in prison now and this virus thing going on, is definitely put in the camp. His trustee status, of course, and works down. He's at a prison down in Pensacola, Florida. Yeah, what's the name of the place? Softly Field. Softly Field. 
and uh, it's a camp that works over on the military base and stuff. But with this virus and thing going on, you know, they've been, I've been hearing all over the country and there's been memos handed out to start releasing a lot of these folks. And when you look at the situations they're in down there, I mean, there's no way to distance these people. They've quarantined them, and we're hoping they're quarantining them to let them all out, or are they just looking through which ones? But they're quarantining them to 14 days, and I mean, there's no distance between you at all in any way. Uh, it's kind of a life and death situation in some ways, you know, if you get caught, you know, like we say, I don't know nothing about the virus or nothing, but what I see on TV, some people it seems to take out, some people it's nothing to it. Right, and you're uh, saying there's no soap? Yeah, and you know, they, they're letting them shower once a week is when they take them out to shower. Of course, they're, they're delivering their meals, I, I believe, I've been told, to the to the cell block there. And I think he's in dorms, and if they think it's 10 or 12 or something in dorm rooms, so they're confined to their dorm rooms. Uh, but like I said, it's a very small area, so another. And, uh, you know, there's hardly any medical things, attentions there, anything either. And then we've been seeing these mandates of letting them out and, you know, let them go home on ankle bracelets and things like that. And we're seeing and hearing more that they're coming out of other institutions like Texarkana that's more, it doesn't have the work programs and things. i tell you what really started, it started seeing and looking to me like was, down there it's a big work program. There's some private companies involved in the, in, in the running the prisons and, uh, of course, to meet the need of the military bases, NAS and Eglin Air Force Base down the road in Fort Walton Beach. That's they do it. They have contracts to handle all the groundskeeping. So that's what the inmates there at camp are. And they pay them thirteen cents. Thirteen a day. cents a day, I believe it is. And, you know, so I mean, it's I don't know what they charge you know, for their contract. <laughs> you know, I'm sure it's pretty good. So I just want to make sure everybody heard that we said thirteen cents a day. A day, and. Things like, you know, with the, the quarantine and things, they're going to quarantine, but then some they still take to work up here. And, but then they bring them back to the dorm. I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense at all. And this is the base where the Blue Angels? The Blue Angels was. Yeah, and actually where that shooting, the terrorist things was at, right. was down there a few months ago now. And, and it's uh, a private prison? It's a, it's a federal prison, but the, the, they have a private company has contracts of running and doing certain things with it, you know. And, uh, so it's not, in, there's someone whose financial best interest is in not releasing. Right, there's 700 and something inmates in this institution. I ain't heard of none of them walking out yet. And every one of these inmates here are trustee status so they wouldn't be there. And so for anybody who... Most are all, it's drug crimes. Right, it's trustee status. Trustee status, drug crimes, or they say about a third is so blue collar, you uh -huh. know. Uh, so all the way from Washington, D.C., all the way down. You know, it, it's a camp. That's why Skylar, we, we looked up before, as during sentencing and mm -hmm. the time before he had to go to a camp that would be, and, and we have some family down there, you know. Oh, yeah. So that's where he, where he went. But then, like I said, being there six months and really seeing it in situations, it does make you, you know, that's, nobody's getting out of here yet, you know what I mean? And, uh, but we're hearing in other institutions they are like a Texas County and things like that going on. I know it's going to take time if that's what they're planning to do. And they're categorizing them down, but it, I mean, you know, how much time does it take to to, 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 to get them out? Or I mean, you know, or does it take people to go to dine and drop it in there? And you know, the, the guards down there, I'm sure they're worried coming in and out of there. They're the one, they'll either bring it in, and if they get it from there, they're taking it to their families. Uh, when we started talking to you guys about doing this story, uh -huh. before the 
COVID-19 outbreak was right. a, a very big deal. Right. I think early January, so maybe there were some whispers of it. Uh-huh. But this took a much more dramatic turn yeah. in the immediacy of them being unable to isolate or quarantine and right. trapped together. Right. So as it stands right now, how much time does Skyler still have left to serve? Skyler is on a 60 month, uh, the federal knocks off 15% of good time credit pretty much off the top. Mm -hmm. So I think that now puts him down at around 50 months. And then uh, they, they even have this thing going on right now, the, uh, uh, what is it, the SAFER Act, another uh, that President Trump had signed in to start reducing the population of the federal prison, especially older inmates, those that was coming in, I believe, it's, uh, I can't remember the exact. The First Step Act. First Step Act, that's right. First Step right. Act. Yeah, so that's been in place down there, and even that, I mean, you had all these people that were thinking, hey, I'm qualifying for that, and I mean, Scott have been there six months and ain't nobody walked out. You know, and these things were handed down quite a while back to start making move on it before this virus thing, you know, you know. And like I said, it's really just, I'm just concerned that they're not trying to make moves at all because they're money makers. I mean, right. it's a money making thing. And I mean, they, if anybody qualifies, yeah, all these guys do. I mean, they're, they're ready. As soon as they get a hit a point in their time anyway, they're, they're already qualified for uh, halfway house or home, 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 home release, you know, with anchor brushes right. and things. And like Skyler and things like that, he has a home. He has a home to go to, he has a job to go to, he has all these things and actually they could be trying to let him work and let him pay his fines, anything, what, what it should have been in the first place this day with marijuana and, and coming in. You come through a wrong state, I untaxed marijuana coming through my state. And just put people away like this for six years and things like it, never had any trouble at all. I mean, they qualify for this release now. You know, and most of the, a lot of these inmates are going straight to a place to, to be to, at home and have work and have jobs, you know, and uh, I just don't, it's, with all this going on, you, you got to look at releasing them, is the way I see it. Yeah. You know, and it's being directed down. I mean, it's, it's being handed down. There was a couple of memos that's been handed down by the Attorney General William Barr, and so it's just making criteria of which one's this or what, but you know, things can move can move a little faster, in my in my opinion. You know, and as like right now, you're not allowed to visit. No, they shut off all the visits three weeks ago. Actually, they shut them off before they started quarantining. They put them into quarantine. I think they've been in about seven days or something in quarantine, which Kyle said two the first two days of that. I mean, they took him over to the base to work. Really? Yeah. I mean, there's a job over. I mean, I don't think grass can grow up to your butt around them million dollar jets. You know, I mean, it's, so I'm sure somebody's got to fig be figuring out something, who's going to be doing what there and who's what if the inmate labor's not there, you know. Uh, but yeah, they're quarantined from, from, from this point. They haven't, they haven't been, you know, they don't, they're not letting out. Today he was able to make a phone call and that's how I was able to talk to him, you know. They let him out and they said it'd be next Tuesday. So once a week, they'll let him have a phone call. Wow. And, uh. Why did they pull him over? Why did they pull Skyler over? Well, I, I profiled, profiled, and that's all there is to it. I mean, you go, you come out, you come out of, out of New Mexico on Interstate 40 and all the way over to the Oklahoma City line, and especially with Oklahoma got legal and Colorado's had their thing in California, they, it's just a big racket, just a big racket. They put it over left and right. And Skyler was in a little county, Oldham County, on the east side of Amarillo, and it's just a small little town, and we out in the country there.
And but basically that's where they've been setting up. I mean, it's simply that's all they were doing. Four or five of them at a time sitting on the road. They're all up and down there. And they just basically profiled me. It was in an RV, and I guess a single man in an RV caught their attention. They pulled out, and then got behind him. And you know they do their little tricks running up on you and all that. But Skyler pulled. You know had to pass a a semi. Had to pass a semi as a, as you know. Of course he's behind the traffic. So as it approaches all you know lost it. Everybody starts slowing down. So he had to start slowing down behind the the semi. And as they went by, then he got over and was getting on getting on past him and by then the troopers done jumped out there and, and he's run up on him and of course Skyler gets over until he gets up far enough to shoot over to the right and basically that's where he shot his light, lights on just immediately so that's the things that he got over too quick was the deal but, but later on it was with the cameras the dashboard cameras and all that taken you know gotten from our lawyers it was established that it wasn't it wasn't at all Skyler was well within his legal length to get over and things so you know it started leading to you know it was a it was a strong case that they illegally, I mean, they illegally pulled him over that's all this to it and endangering the public jump running up there 90 mile an hour on people constantly uh but they had no reason to pull him over so they pulled him over and, and of course that's that's all they want to know is to search your vehicle so you know he denied search and eventually dogs come and they found him what was the reason that the basis for trying to ask him to search the car? What was the probable cause? That I'm not ready. Now, that I think we should leave into the uh, with Adam and uh, Don Flanner, Adam Tisdale and Don Flanner. And how how much was in the RV? Three hundred and seventy pounds. Right. Of course, when they picked it up, they claimed it all along five hundred, but it, that was if they they just weigh the whole bags, they weigh everything all the wrapping and everything in the beginning and kind of inflate it to make it sound a little bigger but in the end you got to unwrap it and weigh the actual illegal product and so from there you know Skyler was released on uh, pre-trial release and came back here to Oklahoma he was still able to work in work in the industry but as a consultant and non-touching plants or material and that's what he really does I mean, he really loves that too, you know, anyway, and he's really good at building the facilities and things. And so we spent a year here while he was out before sentencing and dealing with, you know, dealing with the truck court and everything like that. We spent a year here, him building this facility out right here. So he had me up, he had me up and ready to go by the time we had done pull through the season. And, and that was when we visited the last time. Yeah, you were here. Yeah, exactly. I think we at were. that time we weren't actually aware. No, no. Of the arrest right. or anything else. Right, right, exactly. We were hoping for better results, right. you know. Well, and when and they took when they took confiscated everything from Colorado, they never charged you guys for any of that. They just used it as probable relevant relevant conduct against Skyler. Yeah, the the DEA uh, people that were there in the local with Med and everything like that in that raid were all out of Colorado Springs, that district there, Amarillo. You know, the district out of Amarillo never did send nobody up there. None of that. That wasn't. That was to them. So they saw no need to file any charges. They saw nothing illegal. It's, and then, they, like I said, in the med regulators, we never, were never, you know, said we were out of line on anything. Everything was there, you know, under metrics. It was under a tracking system. It was there. All that could have been done and really could have been done is come on in and look at the stuff. It's still here. Are there are any med reg regulations being violated? If not, it's still here. And it did, you know, and and not took it. And then who would have gained really the most overall still is the state and the county 
and the federal government, the IRS, they would have got all the tax monies and beat it all up. But instead, they take it and who knows where it goes. I don't assume they burn it or whatever they do. But, you know, it's just a, but the biggest thing of it is breaking down a company. I mean, this was my son and my wife's company. I was consulting on that gig. They owned it. They owned that, that, that license and deal. And it basically, you know, what if this was, I mean, we've, we've entertained numerous investment groups, mm -hmm. financial groups that wanted to come in with millions of dollars like these things, you know, like they do all over the country. Sure. And we just, we just never found out they fit us right, so, so, the, so we didn't. But, I mean, it could have very easily been corporate America with trust, you know, shareholders, a dozen, 20 of shareholders. What does that mean? The same damn thing that if someone gets in trouble out here that's investing and is part of a company or something, you go out and get in trouble that has nothing to do with this business at all, that they can just come in and bankrupt the business on everybody? Well, I tell you, that's where we... I've been doing this a while. I'm from California, this and that, and I guess you just forget what it is like in still other parts of the country and how crazy it is the difference between federal and state laws mm -hmm. and how this is out of what 30 something 40 something states are doing this now and then we still don't have a federal level changing it and all of the money that's going in right here we're right here we had seven employees right here with decent paying job right here better than what you know is the most of here Right. And of course, the virus is the is the reason for that situation. You know, we had several mothers, they had kids at home. So, you know, they can't they can't be here. You know, but look what this what 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 is paying in and what it's doing. But we're still treated this way. You know, I, I mean, all they were really looking for the most, of course, financial documents and things from see You know, in most cases like that, I guess if real drug dealers, you know, they ain't never got no tax. They ain't never paid no taxes and all that. Well, did they find it? Yeah, we're tax paying people. We pay our shake of what was in there. That's why there was none of that. And the biggest thing after looking through financial paperwork was where's the money? Well, what damn money? There ain't no money. You see, look at the records. All the records were sitting on the desk down at the farm. Everything, all the taxes had done been paid on it and every damn thing else, you know? Mm -hmm. They wanted the money. But I, what I can tell you, though, is if it had been a million dollars there, taxes paid on it, clean money. Well, we can't bank. So what are we supposed to do? But if we had had it hidden around the house, they'd have dug it up and took that too. Yeah. Well, you said they tried. They tried to open your safe. Oh yeah, they took the safe. safe. They found this, our safe down at the farm, and they brought it to the cabin where we were. And of course, they took them an hour or so to find the right keys, and it kind of was upset. And they figured we we knew where a key was or whatever. And I said, I don't know where a damn key is, but you know, if you're looking for money, ain't no damn money in there because ain't none. So, you know, they worked on it for about an hour and finally he found the right key. So before he picked it up, he had to have somebody looking at him. Of course, disappointment all over their face when they opened up because ain't no money. That's what I told you guys, ain't no damn money. There ain't no money in it. But the point of it is, they could have took it. Yeah. They would have took it. And that was the main thing they wanted. And they didn't raid your California or Oklahoma farms? No. Why do you think that is? Well... I really don't know. I really don't know. The attorneys were saying that some, but California was recreational. You know, we had recreational license in California. We had recreational license in Colorado. Here is medical. 
Mm. Uh, I, there was a memo come down by this new attorney general at some point about uh, staying out of backing up one of the old memos of the past past bunch. I, you know, I, I'm not as up on that as I should be, but one of the past bunch, the cold memo or something like that, backing that up that the Fed will stay out of states and things like that. That were it was people and leave people along that were abiding by the state laws and all. But I think when William, when the next memo by the new attorney general, I think he said medical marijuana. So, you know, when you leave out medical, well, that don't mean recreation. Mm -hmm. So it kind of looked like until then, and then the next memo come out, I think it's been corrected. They're saying all marijuana, cannabis. So, but at that point, it could have put you in classification. We can't mess with them over there in the medical situation. Because, because that's what everybody was looking at, basically uh, that old memo that tells them what they can and they can't do. Now diversion would have been, of course, but there was no diversion. They found it. It was there. So there was no reason. That's why there was no charges. If there would have been a diversion, the Federals would have, they would have charged. And they would have charged my wife too. And uh, just so everybody knows, when we say diversion, yeah. That means diverting legal product out of a legal operation into the black market. Right, or taking it into a different state. Or taking it into a different state, exactly. Crossing the state line, Texas says no. Yeah. And, you know, and hey, Texas is, I can remember the days of alcohol. I mean, I grew up in Louisiana and around here, just more than still areas of Louisiana, Florida, and Alabama, they're dry, dry counties, you know. Right. So, I mean, it's kind of. You kind of understand that, but I mean, what do they still now today? Do they send somebody off for six years and things like that? Over, I mean, it's a tax issue. Why not just tax him? Right. You know, you ain't supposed to be here through with this. I mean, in other words, things that make sense and fit the times. You know. And this uh, is a precedent-setting case because never before has someone's legal recreational license has been used against them for relevant conduct for sentencing before. Yes, that's what we understand, and that's like I said, his his counsel, Don Flannery and Adam Tisdale. That's we're gonna speak with them and get all the nuts and bolts of that from mm -hmm. their mouths, because uh, I definitely don't, you know, can't speak upon the ins and outs of that. But that's 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 the wrangle of it, you know, it's pretty much relevant conduct. And you know, they, a lot of that, all the, a lot of that goes by it's a, a pre-sentencing report. So it's the parole, they say parole, probation, but ain't no probation in the system anymore. But anyway, that division looks at it. So basically it looked like the reports that I looked at was all written up out of Dallas. You know, a, a parole officer down there, I'm sure, or something just writes it up there. It's all federally illegal. I mean, this, 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 you point out, well, he had access to 1,500 plants on the property. Yes, and he could have had 1,800. His license would have given him that. So all of these things were pointed out and many more that were pointed out and used and not being able to, you know. Well, like I said, there's a lot goes on on the legal side that I, uh, that I just know Don and Adam would love to talk to, you know. And, well, it, I was yeah. reading the appeal and they, he was not allowed any objections and no evidence was allowed into the court sentencing or anything in his case. So That's ample. It's all illegal under federal. No objections, no evidence. No nothing. And when did his appeal get filed? Uh, January? Within within the month, now, now several months ago, but his brief, I believe Don said, was being read. And again, that's, that's stuff that I'd like Don and him to, to really 
What message would you have for the regulators and government, the lawmakers out there, the private prisons that are keeping the prisoners unfairly housed and violating their civil liberties of, of just the right to good health and sanitation? Well, as far as the regulators over the cannabis, you know, when is the craziness going to stop? You know, I mean, you got all these states legal. They're pouring billions, tax, billions of dollars of tax money are being paid. Cities, counties, municipal areas are propping themselves up on income to come in for marijuana. I mean, look at Oklahoma itself. I don't, I don't know the figures, but it's way up there, just in application fees and things, you know. And they've come out with a free market, you know. It's reasonable licensing, and so far they ain't beat it to death. Hopefully they won't, you know, and beat us out. And Oklahoma's set itself up to be one of the, if they don't beat it up and overregulate it and tie us up to be the leader in cannabis production, I really believe, when the federal level changes. So our business can go state to state and globally, like Canada has already been doing and jumped way ahead of us. While we sit here and we sink, we sink. And then entrepreneurs and people that are just trying to make it in business as you jump out, it's the fastest thing since dot-com that's come up. I mean, so people are trying to do something. But then when you really look at the reality, it's like, you know, like I said, living out of California and doing this for so long, but then coming from back here in the South, all those years and marijuana could put you off for 20, 30 years, just a small amount. But after years of that, like I said, I really, really, I forgot. And I know my son, he's young, he didn't know this side of things. He knew Mendocino, he knew California, he knew how cannabis was viewed there. He only knew it from a legal standard than what he stupidly done to do that. But it damn sure still don't deserve the sentence that he got, and it goddamn sure don't deserve sitting there where there's a death sentence that could possibly happen. And, you know, the, they say the conditions and things like that, he's had bronchitis and stuff, and, you know, I don't know, I don't know, but bottom of whatever you've had, it, you, you shouldn't, you can't, you can't keep people tight like that. And if it breaks, it breaks. It started breaking out in other prisons, you know, federal levels and all. States are turning them loose left and right. State of Texas has been turning loose quite a few. Actually, some lawsuits against an institution in Texas out here down here about some of the unsanitary issues that they're dealing with, and and not. So I mean, it's I don't I don't I just don't understand why a federal prison camp with everybody in that camp trustee status, or they would not be there, that they're not releasing. And there was a group that put a petition out called the Compassionate Campers. And it was about that institution. That it sits on a military base. When you drive in the military gate, the prison's right here. You mean the backside of it, there's there's military housing. They live. So how are you keeping this from them or if it's there from military and civilian workers in there? And then the guards. You know, there's no way. And then like they pointed out. If we have to ship hospitals to other places and ships and all these things, well, this is right down here. Right, this is military. These dorms are completely set and ready, and the quickest thing they could possibly do to turn into hospitals or situations like that's needed if things gets worse and worse. They're there and ready, and they're set on military bases. Instead, what I've heard, they brought in a semi too with some beds in it, 
So that the inmates, if they start breaking down, they'll separate them in there, I reckon. So, uh, I don't see it. I, don't, I really don't see it. I don't see why they're not moving them out faster and faster. At least let them go to the shit clears. Well, let them wash their hands with soap. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. There's no hand sanitizers. There's none of that. Hell, from what I understand, in the federal level around here, they don't even let them have bleach. They don't claim with bleach in the whole damn institution. And they've limited his the commissary. Yeah, they limited the commissary down to just draw. I think it's twenty five bucks on it. And so, you know, it's it's just crazy. It's really crazy. And like I said, it's, it, it's not just him. I mean, it's it's a, everybody out here. This just drug thing, period. But damn sure the marijuana. I mean, we're right around the damn corner from being fully legal. I mean, look, look at the Morak. It's moving too fast until it gets shoved to the side for a while. And of course, you, you know, it's, it's, it's election year. And there was impeachment from there. And then, now we got, a, oh Lord, I don't know what we got now with this virus. You know, so it's all being shoved aside. But why can't they, why, you know, why can't they go on and just move fast on that? We're, we're deemed essential businesses. Mm -hmm. You know, stores can stay open. I got a letter of essential to move around in Oklahoma to deliver medical marijuana, cannabis to these places. But then again, even on that, small business loans and things to prop us up. Nah, we don't qualify. Don't qualify at all, but we're essential. Hmm. It's just crazy. And what people really need to look at Everybody, I don't give a damn if you want to go and use marijuana, use cannabis, you want to go into business or not. Just look at how this industry, this product, this plant is being beat all to death, but they're the biggest gainers of it. The biggest handout for the dollar that we have fed with this is IRS and the states and counties that we've set up in. They're the biggest takers of it all. But we turned around and beat down and beat down. And the bottom down line is, at any moment, the federal government could come kick your door down just like they could ours, throw us all to the damn ground. And I guess I'd be sitting in the same shoes. Hopefully they'd put me there with my boy. But that's what the deal is. And big investment, big money, it could happen too in that way too. This shit's got changed. This is hugely important, and it's important to what we're doing, and you know, in the cannabis movement, getting federally legalized and getting our businesses in a better angle and everything, you know, and and getting my son released and all the others, all the others that are in there for the same damn things. Turn them out, free the beds up. There's some that got to be there. There's a lot of them don't need to be there. They can be out here paying taxes, helping support whatever the hell's going on now, yeah. and wherever we're going now, then keeping people tied down like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this was the Edibles List interview with Wade Walker about the, uh, the Free Skywalker campaign.
In an effort to save the lives of nonviolent prisoners during the current global pandemic and to provide prisoners the protective supplies they need to stay healthy and sanitary and alive, a portion of the proceeds of every farm and aid farms pre-rolls purchased in Oklahoma in 2020 will go to hashtag cut 50 by the Dream Corps, whose mission is to prevent a prison pandemic using common sense solutions, as well as the Justice Project, who is lobbying for criminal justice reform. Farm Aid Farms full ground pre-rolls are made with high-quality, sun-grown, all-natural, pesticide-free, whole top-shelf bullets. These joints were made with love by the team at Oklahoma Infusions, Inc. Join the cause, pre-rolls preventing prison pandemics. Hashtag Cut 50.